Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um also did you know that meals more comes in a digital format you can download it on your phone read it wherever you're at so hey be sure to check them out mealsmore.com and uh you know hey tell them ty sent you i'd be very grateful mealsmore.com Well, hello, friends. My name is Ty Evans, and I am super happy to be here with you today on our Everyday Mulemanship podcast. Um, I hope uh, I hope you're doing great wherever you are in the world today. Um, I'm coming to you from Hopkins, Michigan. We are uh, getting ready to do a clinic here coming up this week at On a Whim Farm, and. Uh, it's great, great to be here. This is our second time coming to this location, and I think it's like our fifth time coming to Michigan, uh, the state of Michigan. So we're happy to be here. Uh, got a lot of great people coming. It should be a good class. So make sure you stay tuned next week for the debrief on this clinic. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. But uh, for today's Mule Tip Tuesday, I have a few thoughts I want to share with you. You know. Uh, I just recorded a podcast with Jerry Johnson. He's our host here in Michigan. And Jerry is really a cool guy. Um, you need to check out his, his, he's got a famous animal here named Zelda the Zorse. Okay. This Zorse is pretty cool. Now, now most Zorses I've been around have been tough to say the least. Okay. They've been tough. They're not, they're not, uh, you know, every, every every resource I've been around besides this one has been challenging to deal with. They're they're not particularly easy to deal with. Um, I don't know a lot about them. Uh, I've never worked with one uh, myself. I've never handled one myself, so I, I couldn't. I can't give you any information there on these sources. Um, but Jerry, he's got this source named Zelda. Now Zelda is famous. Okay, she's she's Facebook famous. She's got like eleven thousand followers on Facebook. If you don't know Zelda the source, you need to go follow her on Facebook. Uh, pretty cool, you know. And and uh, yesterday I went up to the fence and pet her a little bit. Posted a little video on our Facebook page, TS Mules, and uh, she's a pretty cool critter. Um, trying to talk Jerry into using her in the clinic this week. I think that'd be just really neat, uh, but we'll see if he does it or not. But, um, you know, there's so many of these, these sources that uh, people kind of discount or they think they're just wild. And, and I see a lot of parallels in mules and, you know, there's just not a lot of information about these sources out there. Uh, there's nobody that's, that's, you know, had extensive, experience with them like they've had with horses and and, and i kind of see parallels with the mules you know a lot of people it seems like there's a lot of myths about mules and usually the myths run rampant in areas or, or or i should say with people that don't have a lot of experience with them so you know before we can say much about any of these animals it's probably best we get some good experience and just because you work with one doesn't mean a whole lot um 
while I was doing this podcast with Jerry and this podcast with Jerry, it'll air sometime this fall. Okay. So you can look forward to listening to that. But, um, you know, as I, as I was talking with him, we brought up zebras and I've had the opportunity to work with one zebra. Now that zebra was a yearling and all I had to do was get that thing halter broke. And it was a handful. It was really, really a handful, um, a really aggressive animal. <laughs> and, it, you know, where usually you can put a little pressure on and get something to yield to you and move away. This zebra did not want to have anything to do with yielding to me. Uh, he, he was all about running me over, um, kicking me, biting me, and very aggressive. You know, and I could easily go on to tell everybody how wild and aggressive all zebras are. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that's the only zebra I have ever had my hands on that I've ever worked with myself. Um, and that's just not enough. One is not experience. And uh, I see it all the time with horses and with mules. People work with one of them and have some kind of issue with one. And it's suddenly across the whole, you know, the whole mule family. They're all like that. They're all like this. They're all, they all do that. They all do this. And, um, you know, they're, they are all individuals. So I'd like to remind you today on this Tuesday to, to remember that they are individuals. They're all different. Um, and, uh, you know, they're different from breed to breed. They're different from one critter to the next. And um, they all have different lives. You know, they've all been brought up differently. So, you know, as you're working with them, you know, re remember that they're, they're individuals. Okay. Um, another really cool thing that you're going to hear Jerry and I talk about in the podcast, and I'm excited for you guys to hear about it, is he spoke about hope, um, about having hope, you know, knowing that you can do this, you can make, <clears throat> you can make a change. Um, changes can happen within yourself, within your animals, whatever it is, but you got to have some hope. And we talked about how you can get that hope, how you can find hope in whatever it is you're doing. And, um, you know, I see this all the time in the clinics. Uh, you know, somebody will come to the clinic with an issue, with a problem with their mule, and they want they want help fixing it. And really, they have no hope. They don't think that it can be done. But because I've had the opportunity to work with thousands of mules, um, you know, it... I've seen that, yeah, that, that can be fixed. You can change that. This can be better. That can be better. And and we talked about how you can borrow hope from others. And, um, you know, I hope when you, I hope when you guys come to the clinics, you can borrow hope from me that whatever it is you're working through, you can get it done. You can, you know, and another thing that he brought up and, and uh, I'm not going to spoil too much of the podcast because it was just a fantastic podcast that Jerry and I had there. I really enjoyed it, but <clears throat> was, you know, calling upon past experiences to give you hope. Okay. Maybe you've never fixed a mule on this particular issue before. Okay. Maybe you've never done that, but you've done other things. You, you were able to teach that mule how to you know, you're able to figure out how to change leads together. You you were able to, um, you know, teach it to lead, teach it to do some of the groundwork and, and get it to sell. You've done a lot of things, so you can call upon past experiences. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with it. You've just dealt with other things that were really challenging and difficult in life, and you were able to overcome that. And so you can, so, so whenever you get into these binds, pull upon these past experiences to give you 
at hope. Um, and I may be speaking to you today and, and mules are not on your mind. Maybe you're going through something else. Maybe you've got some health issue going on with right now. Maybe you have some family things going on. Maybe you have some addiction things going on. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you get a little, if you have a little hope that things can change, things can be better, things can, things will work out. It's all going to work out just fine. And if you don't have that, borrow it from something you've done in the past. You've done something, every one of you listening right now, you have done something in the past that is extraordinary of some measure in your life. And call upon that to give you the confidence to, to overcome whatever it is you're dealing with, you know, whatever else you're doing with your life. So. Anyways, that's my Mule Tip Tuesday. Maybe it's a Life Tip Tuesday for you. I don't know what that might be, but there you go. Um, we've got some good questions come in, uh, so I'm going to jump right in here. Um, Janine Miller. Hello. Uh, Tuesday, I purchased an eight-year-old Molly Mule named Ruth. Yesterday, I was working her in the round pen on joining up. When applying, or joining up is also hooking on, um, different lingo, but same thing. When applying energy to get her to move forward, it seems to take a lot to get her to move forward. She rarely goes faster than a walk, and when she does break into a trot, she shakes her head and barely attempts to buck. When she stops, she stands parallel with the round pen side, but will turn her head to look at me. Today, I am going to use a flag and see if that gets anything else out of her thoughts. Thank you for your help. Okay, Janine, so anytime you're trying to get more forward motion or faster movement, there has to be more release, a faster release of the pressure, okay? So when you're asking this mule to move at all, uh, it sounds like you need to go back to the basics just at a walk and and teach this mule that it's okay to just walk, um, that that you the mule can be rewarded for just moving forward. So you might go back to the very, very beginning and just say, hey, move just walk you put a little pressure on as soon as that mule is walking back off the pressure and leave them alone and you get it to where you can get that mule to leave it a walk because likely if you're having a hard time getting this mule to a trot to a lope uh that tells me you're probably having a hard time actually getting this mule to walk and you don't realize it or sometimes we don't realize that we're having a hard time because they move but how much pressure does it take to get them to walk it shouldn't take much so ask them to walk back off let them just walk. Don't try to get them to walk faster. Don't try to keep micromanaging them or holding them or keep driving them. Don't even drive them. Just ask them to walk. When they're walking, leave them alone. Let them, and this is the hard part for the human, don't micromanage. Let them break down to a stop. Let them go do, 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 do. Okay. And then when they're stopped, then drive them again, get them walking again, back off the pressure immediately. Okay. What you're going to do by following this pattern over and over is you're going to teach that meal, hey, walk until I tell you otherwise. Just walk. That's it. This means walk. Okay. Cool. You got them walking now. Then that, that might take you a few days to, to build this. Then you're going to work at the trot. Okay. What you're going to do is you're going to drive them. You're going to push to the trot. As soon as they're trotting, you back off, leave them alone. Let them, let the mule fall back down to a walk. When they fall to the walk, drive them again to the trot. But here's the deal, Janine. Don't hold that mule in a trot. Don't hold them in a lope. Don't hold them in a walk. See, we don't want to babysit these animals. I don't want to have to hold them at these speeds over and over and over again. 
Okay. So that's your, that's what I do. And, uh, you get to where you won't have to babysit them so much and they'll be able to maintain. So, uh, yeah, you might have to use a flag to, in regards to your comment about using a flag or whatever you, I don't really use a flag to get them to, you know, when I'm driving them in the round pin, get them to hook on. I just use the tail end of a lead rope. If they don't move, I'll kind of tap them on the butt a little bit. Uh, make it easy to go. Okay. Make it easy to move. But if you drive them and then you keep tapping them, tapping them, tapping them, driving them, driving them, driving them, when they're moving, there, there's no release there. So you got to help find the release. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the question, Janine. Let me know what you think of that. I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, Amy Nagler. Um, Ty, I'm wondering how to handle playfulness when ponying. When I'm riding one and ponying the other, um, one thing I can't do is long trot out on the prairie to keep my mules in shape. Um, any suggestions on curtailing play when I have a mule on the line? So basically, to follow the question here, and she wrote a bit more, but I just kind of paraphrased there. Um, she's trying to lead her mules. The one she's trying to lead is bothering the riding animal, pestering. So what do you do about it? Um, the first thing I do is make sure that I am solid on the ground with uh, the mule I'm going to be ponying. Obviously, the mule you're going to be riding too, but the mule you're going to be ponying needs to be pretty solid on the ground so that you can get things done on a slack rein. If, you, if you're not getting it done on a slack rein on the ground, um, unless you're a good hand and you got a good mount, it's going to be hard for you to achieve that in the saddle. Now, a lot of mules, actually, I work in the saddle first before I work on the ground because they're super difficult. But I have a, a riding animal that can help me with that, and I have the skills to be able to handle that, of course. Okay. If you don't have those skills or the animal to help you, Make sure you get things going and rocking pretty good on the ground, okay? Now, once that's done, I'm going to work these mules in a round pin uh, ponying there so that if I have to get after one a little bit, I'm not worrying about losing them or whatever. Uh, I'm going to practice trotting in there like you're talking about. And when that mule goes to pass or that mule gets to biting or the, the mule I'm ponying gets to bothering my riding mule, um, I might stop. I might back them up a bunch. I might get them back, block them every single time they go to nip or bite or or whatever it is they're doing that you dislike, uh, make it difficult for them to do that, okay? Um, you can even jump in there and roll the hinds from, you know, your riding animal. Roll the hinds around on that mule your pony, and you can do that every time that mule gets to be bothersome. So basically, got to re redirect the animal. The other thing you can do, practice this in, in your arena, I would suggest, is trotting uh, figure eights and trotting serpentines. So this will keep your... The mule you're poning a little busier because of the directional changes. So uh, you might find that beneficial. So I, I would recommend doing that. Uh, you know, but really, long story short, if you just do the very first suggestion I give you, Amy, get them handy. Get them operating off of a slack line on the ground. Your ponying really won't be that big of a deal. Um, and of course, the mule you're riding, why that mule should be right there with you. And so if he gets to pin in his ears or do anything or trying to kick or trying to bite, why he'll be really easy for you to block because, well, you're riding him. Okay, thanks for the question, Amy. Let me know what you think of that. Last question, or no, I got a couple more, actually, sorry. Um, I just had to scroll down further. Uh, <clears throat> Herman Macharo. Hi, Ty and Sky. I'm having issues keeping my mule's back feet up. I can pick it up just fine. Then he just wants to take it back. 
Are there any videos you have that could help with this? I've watched a couple you had on picking up their feet. Uh, so Herman, uh, yeah, there's some videos on our video library. If you go to tsmeals.com, there's an online video library there. And there's a few videos that we've made about picking up the feet and, and handling the feet and maintaining the feet uh, with a rope on. So basically, I'll get these meals to lead by a foot. Okay, I, I'll get them to lead by all, all four feet. I'd like them to lead by that. And I get to where I can pick up that foot and I can hold it longer amounts of time. And I don't just come in and start working on it on day day one of, of getting them to hold it long, 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 long. I'll, I'll pick up the foot, work with it a little bit, set it down. The next day, come out, maybe do it a little bit longer. And I'm just talking seconds longer, little by little by little. See, when you're working on getting them to stand on their feet, you have to consider some of these mules are a little braced up. They don't know how to stand with you asking a foot up. They don't know how to balance on all the other three feet. Um, and even if they can balance on it, you got to understand sometimes uh, they can't balance very long on those other three feet. And you got to build up some muscle there. That's one thing that a lot of us fail to remember with these animals is that, hey, you know what? They got to build some muscle up. So consider that as you're working with this mule um, that... Uh, Got to build a little muscle there too. So uh, do it little by little. Now, it's easier for me to handle that mule's feet on the end of a rope than in my hands in the very beginning, especially if they want to jerk that foot away. It's easier for you to pick up and hold a rope than it is to uh, pull on that foot the whole time. And, you know, the other thing that just come to my mind, as I said, pulling on that foot is a lot of us will just pull that hoof up rather than really getting that mule to shift its weight to the other three feet, we fight the foot up quite a lot. Now, if you can teach that mule to shift to the other three feet, get light on that leg, why, it's going to be quite a bit easier for you to pick it up. And you can build these things by helping them obtain some self-carriage while you're doing your groundwork session, like, you know, rolling the hind, rolling the front, teaching these mules to shift from one foot to the other. Well, you're teaching them to stand on the other three legs and get light on one leg. So just doing your groundwork uh, Herman will, will help you get a handle on, uh, holding these feet longer. Okay. They'll, they'll gain some self-carriage and build those muscles needed. That's a good question. Thank you for asking. Okay. Now is the last question, uh, from Zach Barnes. How do you roach the mane, uh, around the ears on an ear shy mule? All right, Zach, this is tough. Okay, there's all kinds of levels of ear shy. I've seen mules that are ear shy do not touch me. I've seen mules say, "If you touch me, then then you're gonna you're gonna regret it." Uh, and and there's some that say, "Oh, I'm just a little shy. Oh, that bothers me a little bit," or you know whatever. But um, you know if they if they're ear shy, you might try just working on roaching them with uh, just with scissors. Don't don't use clippers. Just use scissors. Um, now if they're real bad with scissors, then you're going to have to consider that too. I hope that's not too loud for you guys. I'm, I'm sitting here in my truck recording this and it's starting to pour rain. So I apologize if it's, uh, if that's a little loud, but I'm going to keep going here. Um, anyway, Zach, with the, with the ear shy stuff, if you can't even touch their ears, if you, if you can't even get your hands up there, okay then really you don't got business roaching them there yet. You're going to have to deal with that foretop on there for a while, okay? And uh, even though that's, uh, you know, I don't I, I, I don't like my mules having a foretop or a mane at all, uh, but I, I'm not going to get into this big old fight with them 
when they're ear shy and that bothers them. I need to acknowledge, hey, I see that you're ear shy. I'm aware that that's bothering you. And I need to make sure I pay attention to that because that's going to build into relationships otherwise. If if I don't acknowledge that they're ear shy and I just keep going in there while they're fighting and hitting and smacking and I just keep hanging in there, which I have done many times. Well, I'm not really acknowledging saying, hey, I noticed that. That's the mule saying, oh, my gosh, this human doesn't have a clue. And then basically they either got to go to fighting harder. They got to go to flight <clears throat> or they got to freeze up. And that's the one I want to avoid at all costs is them freezing up. So I would just I, would, I just kind of work at one hair a day. I just kind of get my hand a little closer there day by day. Just just kind of get to where I can easily handle the ears. I'm not going to worry about clipping that mane. Um, just where I can easily handle the ears. Okay. And over a period of, of a few days, you, you'd be surprised if you if you if you stay consistent at this. Why he's going to get pretty easy. And then you get to a point where you can cut cut him in there, uh, cut that mane with some scissors. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, you can work on getting them used to some clippers. And sometimes you got to just kind of get them familiar with clippers, just the noise as is. Some of them are just scared of the, of the noise, let alone just you know actually touching them and roaching them. But just just the noise is enough to set them off. So you might get them familiar with the noise. You might turn that noise on, turn that clipper on all the time uh, while you're just brushing the animal. And if you can get some cordless clippers, that would be really handy because then you can get in there and move and you don't have those cords falling you and, and have, an, have to deal with all that stuff. Uh, but you just come in there and you, you know, kind of brush that mule and, and have the clippers in one hand, the brush in the other and get to where you can brush that neck with them clippers uh, you know, whatever. And, and they'll get used to the sound. And then pretty soon you start combining all things. Okay. Well then now you, you come there, you brush them with the clippers and then you, you clip the, the end of the mane today, just, just a little bit. Okay. And the next day you come in there, you clip a little bit more and maybe it takes you one week to clip that mane, but you do it a little each day, you know, uh, and you can, you can do it without getting in these big old fights. Um, and the mane is one thing you guys, you, you don't need to get into a battle over clipping a stinking mane, okay? It ain't that big a deal. Uh, yeah, I don't like manes on my mules. Um, a lot of you listening do. Uh, who You know, who cares, right? It's just, that's just personal preference on how you like that mane. It, it doesn't really matter. But definitely, we shouldn't be getting into these, these battles with them just to get them clipped up, okay? You can take your time, get them used to clippers. It's really not that hard. Um, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of meals that have got used to gotten used to clippers over some time. So it's, it's no stress, no worries. But anyway, Zach, that's kind of how I go about it. Just work, work up there with your hand, make sure they're just not plain ear shy first. And then you get to where you can take the scissors up there and then you can get to where you can take the clippers up there. And it's just, uh, really the answer is time. I don't have any tricks for you and I'm not going to be advising you to do anything, uh, vile or, uh, you know, that's going to damage the mule's confidence. I'm not going to advise that. Um, I'm just going to tell you to take your time. Okay. Uh, the foundation for all this though, too, Zach, is having these animals handle and having them broke to lead and having them centered. If they're broke to lead, you guys really shouldn't have that many problems. If they're centered, you shouldn't have any problems. They shouldn't be pushing on you, pulling away from you hitting this way, hitting that way. You you shouldn't have that. If they're truly broke to lead and they're centered, why life is going to be pretty dang easy for you. So anyways, that's it for our questions today, you guys. Um, I appreciate you writing in. I have, I have, a, I do have one that was a, uh, more of a, 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 more of a comment 
um, with, with some little questions in there. So I'm going to read that real quick. Um, Kimberly, Kimberly Mishler. Hey, from Arizona. Thanks so much for answering my questions this week. Uh, I got a lot from your answer and really enjoyed all of the other questions. I just started with your training about a month ago and I am working through the groundwork checklist. I'm happy to know, um, uh, we have been on the right track. Mostly, uh, it is all going well. I'm happy to hear about how much and when to ride my John Mule Colt at two and a half years. I was planning to start him under saddle when he turns three, and we will be doing light riding. So thank you, and may God bless your family while you're on the road. Uh, thank you, Kimberly. Um, I appreciate you riding in, and God bless you too. Um, you asked about some colt starting. Uh, I don't have our colt starting dates yet, Kimberly. Um, and those of you listening... Uh, we have our annual cult starting uh, at my place in Fountain Green, Utah, and it will be uh, it's scheduled for June sometime. We're going to release our clinic dates coming up soon. I just have a few more dates to to work out. And actually, uh, my baby sister just got engaged, and she tells me uh, her wedding is is September 30th of next year, and <laughs> that's right in the middle of my my big fall tour and. Um, I'm very happy for my baby sister, but I just had to reschedule a whole bunch of clinics to, to, to accommodate that. So anyways, Kimberly, I'll have my, my schedule out hopefully by the end of September, I hope the end of this month. And you can see those cult star and clinic dates then. All right. Um, and that's it for our comments and our questions today, friends. Uh, Hey, you know what? If you have a question for Mule Tip Tuesday, don't be shy. Send me an email. Send it to ty at tsmules.com. That's ty at tsmules.com. Put in the subject line, question for Mule Tip Tuesday or question for pod, podcast, okay? And then keep your questions brief to the point. Um, we appreciate that when I'm sorting through this, trying to keep these questions uh, short and sweet so we can get to your answer, all right? But uh, anyways, hey, um, if it's not too much to ask, and especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star rating and a review, and I'd love to hear your favorite episode. Uh, if you guys don't listen on Apple Podcasts, um, there's no way to leave a review on most of the other platforms. So if you guys would be so kind as to screenshot maybe this episode or your favorite episode and post it on Instagram or Facebook, and be sure to tag us. If you, if you post on Instagram a little picture of your favorite episode, make sure you tag me in it, at T.S. Mules. Uh, if you listen on, or if you post on Facebook, tag us on there too, either Ty Evans or T.S. Mules as well. All right? Hey, uh, you guys keep having fun with them mules, and uh, I look forward to seeing, seeing you all down the road. God bless. Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout-out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom-built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find them on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell them Ty sent you. He will take good care of you.